This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? This is another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. And today, our guest is Dr. Andrew. Johnson. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for, again, being flexible and finally get, we're finally getting a chance to to have this interview. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to butcher your bio. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Uh, From the beginning or where you want me to start? Um, Start wherever you're comfortable. Yeah. Oh, man. I am a young, not so young man anymore, but a young man grew up in North Philadelphia um, in a household of women. Uh, I had an aunt, a female cousin, my grandmother, my mom, and two sisters in my household. So um, I guess it wasn't interesting because that's the life that I was living in. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm older, I see um, the values that being in a house full of women instilled in me. So I am very grateful for that. But I grew up in North Philadelphia. Um, if you're familiar with Temple University, grew up right on that campus. Oh, that's um, awesome. I'm from South Jersey, so. Okay, very close. Yeah. <laughs> so around 15th and Diamond. And, and growing up in that environment, it was great. We had a very wholesome upbringing and, you know, kind of what you don't, you don't know what you don't know type thing. So I was very insulated in a all-Black community. Uh, the only folks who were not of color were teachers, authority figures, but all of my peers, anybody I spent time with, network with, were were black um, and low income. I can't say that for a fact, but I'm assuming now my older age, knowing what I know that um, we were all pretty much low income, doing whatever we could to survive. Sure. Um, from there, I was very fortunate to have folks who in my educational experience in middle school and high school who were um, very intentional on making sure that me and my peers um, pursued higher education. Mm -hmm. Um, I still didn't know what that meant. I am a first generation college graduate, uh, college student and graduate. So not, again, not knowing what I didn't know, um, but I did have guidance from teachers and coaches who instilled the need to pursue education, not only in me, but in my friend group. So very grateful for those individuals. Um, Somehow navigated higher ed. Um, I went to Mansfield University right out of high school. And that's a state school in northern, northeastern Pennsylvania. Vastly different than the community I grew up in, um, in many ways. And then I transferred to Lock Haven University, which is where I got my bachelor's degree. And again, mm-hmm. very similar to Mansfield, vastly different mountains, trees, um, predominantly white community and um, campus population. Um, yeah, I had lots of ups and downs, was 
was dismissed from school um, once and had to beg to get back in and promise some things that I would do. And that really um, turned me around and got me got me focused. But again, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to navigate higher ed. But then um, after that dismissal and connecting with certain people on campus, I was able to get out, so to speak. And I felt like when I did get out, I was like, Dag, I wish I would have did this stuff sooner. Because mm -hmm. now I was trying to do so much good and so much positive in a year and a year and a half. And I didn't have the time to really embrace the experience. But after that, got into um, coaching and mm -hmm. teaching health and physical education. I was a health and phys ed major. I uh, was very fortunate to do that. Coach college basketball, um, high school cross country basketball, tennis. So I was a ath student athlete and I was able to live that as a teacher and as a coach. My first true professional experience was as a teacher. And then I went on to be a sports director at a YMCA, athletic director at community colleges, co college basketball coach. Um, I was an assistant basketball coach for 17 years at Widener University. Wow. And that was a very rewarding experience. Um, in those times, I decided to pursue my master's degree because to work in athletics, you had to have a master's degree. Did that at the United States Sports Academy uh, online degree, which was great for me. And then in 2018, decided to pursue my doctorate degree at the University of Pittsburgh in higher education management. Very, very, very awesome experience. Taught me a lot about myself and higher education and what I wanted to do next. And that's what led me, coupled with COVID-19, shutting athletics down for a, a year. That's what kind of led me to transition out of that and into what I do now. And I am currently the director of multicultural student affairs at uh, University of North Georgia. Wow. So that's my professional part. Mm -hmm. Personally, very simple. I have three kids, a 14 year old daughter, a 12 year old daughter and an eight year old son. And then it's me and my wife of, uh, man, 18 years. 18 years, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. So let's start. Wow. We're, let's start at the beginning, right? Okay. Let's start you growing up in a household full of women. Yes. Um, how do you think that benefited you? And and how do you think that maybe hindered you a little bit? Or if if you think that at all? It definitely benefited me in, in the values of how to treat people. Mm -hmm. Not that men, males, don't know how to treat people, but women, mothers, they were all mothers in my house except for my sisters, were very in tune with feelings mm -hmm. and sensitivity and empathy and respecting others. So I think that's where I really bought from them. Um, gender, <clears throat> it hindered me in the manly, my father was around, I, 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 you know, I wasn't without a father, um, but at seven, my parents got divorced, so he just wasn't in the household. Mm, gotcha. Um, but, you know, he instilled values in me as well, but uh, having all those women in the house, it hindered me in my, I don't want to say in my masculinity, because I was still masculine, but there were things that were missing that boys my age, 
were maybe more now that one was sports. I was a late bloomer in sports because I just didn't play sports every day like other young boys did. But mm-hmm. um, that would be the only hindrance. Uh, I think the good definitely outweighed the bad for that scenario. Love that. Love that. Um, my 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 dad was the only one in our house. It was me, my sister, my mom, mm-hmm. and then my dad. So, <laughs> so yeah, growing up, you know, with uh with a lot of um emotion, yeah, and at the same time, uh, lack thereof. Yeah. Um, did you ever? Did you experience? First off, do you? Is that like? Did that translate? Did you get that? Like the, you know. And if you did, if you do understand that, have you, did you experience that um, at all growing up? Um, I'm young enough, but still old. I'm, I'm old enough to have been raised by parents and grandparents who witnessed the struggles of Black people mm-hmm. in the 50s, 60s. So yeah. I just had this conversation with somebody recently. They we didn't get the stories and the we, they didn't talk about certain things because yeah. of that. So it wasn't overly emotional in my house because it was just deal with it. You need to get it together and move on mm-hmm. um, when, when it came to life scenarios. So um, it wasn't really until I was probably a teenager that I saw my mother cry for the first time. Mm knowing she probably had but I didn't experience that because she had to put on that strong front yeah every day for me and my siblings so yeah it's an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. being around all those women it was overly emotional but it wasn't yeah you know, times yeah yeah let's talk about, let's go into so your um your middle school high school era right mm-hmm. those ages uh you're the first um of your family to attend college and as well as graduate right who and what inspired you to say hey you know what um i'm going to go to college um so there's two people one was a high school coach coach sumter was my cross-country coach um, and the other was a, a science teacher who wound up moving with me and my friend group through various grades hmm. um, mrs davis white very instrumental in that and she was also my sister's science teacher Mm. so there was a relation very close relationship with them that kind of permeated to our relationship so they were the two um, in that aspect but there was also my very tight friend group we all were just kind of like-minded and took in the the things that those two individuals was giving us and we all just kind of it was like nobody's going to be left behind type deal. Sure, sure. And it's only, it was about five or six of us that had that same mindset. So I would really credit that friend group and my, my high school coach and my teacher. Hey, hey, hey. If you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. It's amazing. Support system is something that I talk about a lot and yeah. making sure you're, you know, you're surrounded by people who uplift you, who want to bring out the best of you. 
you know? Yeah, you hear so many stories of people saying, like, somebody told me in school that I wasn't going to make it, that I couldn't do it. That's, I didn't get that, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be. The other side of that coin is, it's crazy that, not even crazy, it's just wild to think that we have or had, probably still have adults who fix their mouths to say such a thing right. to young minds. Children, yeah. You know, knowing that we are um like uh not created but we are more likely to lean into yeah we're like sponges mm -hmm. we're gonna take that in we're gonna own that when it's probably just something that that person is going going through yeah. we don't know that at the time of course that hindsight being 2020 we realized that 10 15 20 years later yeah um that it had nothing to do with the individual themselves but at that time the damage is done yeah so now we have to unlearn a lot of of things and replace mm -hmm. it um how was your college experience you said you got dismissed from school <laughs> academically not behavior academically yes um and you said you you know you didn't you weren't really equipped with how to navigate that college experience so tell us a little bit about that yeah, um, socially not equipped. That's a different environment being on a college campus than what mm -hmm. you grow up. I mean, I think that's everybody. But if you don't have somebody to tell you what it's going to be like, you're just out there on your own, kind of. Academically, I was not prepared. Um, I think our school system at the time did the best they could, but they weren't preparing us to um, achieve success in college. Mm -hmm. um, so tackling those two things while also being don't quote me but out of four thousand students one of 100 being black on a campus mm -hmm. is a very tough thing to navigate just finding connections and friend groups um so all those things and me just want, wanting to have fun being away from home for the first time yeah and being on my own so to speak those three or four things um made it so that i didn't have success early on um not knowing how to study not knowing that you can build relationships with professors and have them help you you know all, all the terminology that comes into college you don't know well what's a bursar's office what's a registrar's office what do they do what's tutoring what's academic advising so really just not knowing anything not having anybody to share information not being prepared led to um i think after four semesters uh, being dismissed academically and that just means you didn't achieve a certain grade point average which i believe was a 2.0 mm -hmm. uh, in a consecutive semesters so i came home after that and started to work and i thought that would be at work i think i even considered going to barber school mm -hmm. um, and i tell my kids and other kids all the time i was working for a company, won't say the name, um, but I was doing some manual labor and I was yeah. coming home hurting. Yeah. And I realized one night that I don't want to be lifting, pulling, pulling, pushing every day of my life. So I randomly called, it was Lockheed at that time, back and said, hey, what do I need to do? I think that was the first time I really stepped out on a limb to do something like that in my academic career and said, what do I need to do? And they told me, write a letter, appeal it. I had to say what I would do to improve my situation. So I did that. 
And if it happened again, you wouldn't be let back in. They let me back in on a probationary basis, which was awesome. And then I, from there, I kind of, kind of took off. Yeah. You had that, uh, that shift. What, what was your, now you, you spoke a little bit about it, um, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to go a little further. What was your experience like being on a predominantly white campus? What, what, what did that experience teach you about the world and teach you about yourself? Um, about the world, it, it showed real quickly that that was the world that I would have to be prepared to work in mm. and live in. Yeah. Um, and everybody experienced in my professional world and I have conversations with students um, who experience it a lot differently than me. But again, I think it goes back to my upbringing. Yeah. Lessons mm-hmm. that my family and my father, my father is very driven individual, self-made, determined. So it didn't bother me that I knew I was one of, I knew I was the only black person in a lot of my classes. I knew that it was around me, but it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But you are aware. And I think the thing it was for me was if I mess up, if I say something, if I do something, it's going to be magnified. Mm. I kind of let that guide me day to day to make sure I was, you know, I wasn't a bad individual and I didn't do stupid things often, but I knew that that was going to be the the outcome. Yeah. Um, But it definitely prepared me for the professional world and for the world that I would live in, you know, five to 10 years later. Um, immensely. Let's 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 step right into that. What is what is that experience like being in higher education? It's great. I love it. I, I don't think I would choose another field. It keeps you young. Um, being around students every day. Yeah. Um, I take great pride in it, and being a mentor to others, to to anybody, but particularly those who who I feel like I I have a connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, so sharing I don't want them to go through the same struggles I did in school and right after school so I, I use my platform being in higher ed to really connect motivate and empower students to to get through and to live the life that you know they want to live and whatever that is I just had that conversation with a student yesterday say so you want to live comfortable I go, what's comfortable mm-hmm. you have to help them determine what's comfortable for them and help them get there yeah yeah i love it but i still have that same thing you know that that same microscope um even though i work in dei field there's still that same microscope if i say something on campus do something on campus or 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 even off campus yeah i still feel like that magnifying glass is on me Mm -hmm. and i have to not put myself in those situations. So working at predominantly white institutions is, is the same as being a student at predominantly white institutions. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to walk on on eggshells? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, 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 I think that's even at home. Gotcha. As a black man, mm-hmm. I'm always on eggshells because everything you do can be criticized, magnified, impact children, your children, other children in the community. So I'm used to that and I, I, I like that, that, um, that 
you know, mindset. But yeah, you, you, you do, you feel like that, that you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. So with, with all, all of this knowledge and, and everything that you have, what, <clears throat> what do you do or what have you done that, that works for you that say you feel yourself, um, a situation arising or something like that how do you and doc andrew dr johnson how do you um realign yourself with what the the mission is the purpose is speaking professionally uh professional professionally and then we can go into personally, personally. yeah professionally i always student first student first and that's a cliche and it's probably corny to say, but anything that's happening on campus, good, bad, or indifferent, I always think about what impacts my students the most. Mm -hmm. Which words or actions do I need to say or do that's going to make the student feel comfortable, welcome, and, and like they belong? Yeah. Usually, if you do that, you're okay. Um, always tying any work I do is always tied to the college's strategic plan or mission. I'm not going to create something that is not tied in any way whatsoever because that'll get you in trouble, I think. Mm -hmm. So tying things into, but you also have to work at institutions where you agree with yeah. the mission, vision. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I've seen folks who didn't, and it's hard to work in those environments. So yeah, tying everything to a mission, vision, plan of your office, your department, or the institution, and keeping the student first. I don't care if it's a Black student, white student, Asian student, Hispanic student, um, their feelings are the most important because that's who we're there to support. So I tie everything back to them. Love that. Love that. Okay. And how about uh, personally in your everyday life? Um, I'm, I think I'm pretty well grounded, and I don't really get too high or too low, mm -hmm. but it's simply my wife is the one who keeps me focused. Gotcha. Even though she may be emotional at times, if she sees me getting emotional, she'll tone it down Yeah, or she'll let me know that, that don't go that direction. So I always bounce everything off of her business, professional, personal, and let her guide. Cause I'm, I'm not emotional, but I'm very reactive. Mm. So if something's happening, the first thing that comes to my mind is what I'm going to do, say, or act on. So I let her kind of bring me back at times and steer me in the right or wrong direction. So you have to rely on, I think everybody has to have that person that mm -hmm. can do that for them. And for me, it's my wife. Lovely, lovely. That support system again. Yeah, can't that's, get without it. Yeah, that support system is so important. Um, I talk about auditing your orbit so much, mm. you know, making sure you surround yourself with good people. <laughs> um the stuff that you watch the music you listen to yes. i think oh you know God. we all you know I, I don't i'll turn up you know but at the same time um i will turn on the audiobook i will make sure i'm doing things that balance it out yeah that feed my soul yeah. and and are in alignment with the the person that i am becoming you yes. know that never that never leaves me, you know. So yeah. that's and it's okay to have a small orbit. You don't need multiple many things going around. Yeah, that's like, it it can get foggy. Yeah. It can get foggy. And also, you know, 
a lot of people forget, and I talk about this in my book, a lot of people forget that you are at the center of your orbit. Right. So if you make sure that if you're not doing what you need to do uh, Mm -hmm. to make sure you're okay and Mm -hmm. you're in alignment with yourself, Mm -hmm. then everything else seems like it's out of whack, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not, it's not meshing and you're basically going against the grain. But once you look in the mirror and get that mirror check, that check up from the neck up, you can then move forward, then, you know, look within and do the work that needs to be done. And that's a new thing. And that goes again, talking about my, the emotion in my house, it was just always, I think folks raised in the 50s, 60s, just, it was like straight face, Mm -hmm. put your head down, go about your business. Don't bother nobody. Nobody will bother you. And they didn't think about taking care of their self. And now that's trickled down into the younger generation, you know, coming out yeah not coming out being born into a society where you need to be doing these things but you don't know how mm-hmm. yeah so i always say one of your 30 years everybody will have it together but well, we gotta get there first. right it's crazy <laughs> yeah we gotta get there first i always say like our parents their parents their parents yeah. they did the best that they could at yeah. the moment you know with what they had yep. and it's up to each generation after to get a little better Yep. So, you know, I think we're in a in a space right now as people, as human beings, even as 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 black people, because we didn't a therapy wasn't a thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. Self-care wasn't a thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there were emotions, like like I said earlier, but there wasn't an overly expressed amount of emotions. Right. Um, so we didn't really navigate and we didn't know all how to even define or or speak about the emotions we were feeling at the time you know so now we're in an era we're in a space where we're taking care of ourselves more we're looking inward more Mm -hmm. um we are setting ourselves up to win that way the people that come up behind us they'll be in a better position to win as well hey 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 did you know i wrote a book it's called the value method Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. And as a parent, like I have two, a teenager, preteen and and an eight-year-old and they're expecting that of us, but I wasn't raised that way. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you don't get it. Like, (laughs) I I don't understand. I'm trying my best every day to Mm -hmm. understand. So we are in a tight generation, us um, 30 to 50-year-olds, I think, raising teenagers now, trying to understand what they need and where they're coming from, but also knowing how we were raised yeah it's like hey you know i used to get whippings and look i turned out fine right yep. you know famous, famous words yep uh-huh yep um um what is, what is another one um why are you crying out I'll, I'll give you something to cry about, to cry about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly and at the time we're you know but when you think about it oh what a disservice that was done 
And yeah. now we're just trying to, like I said, unlearn yeah. um, those techniques and those defense mechanisms that, yeah. you know, we had to use. Yeah. So we stayed on the good side or whatever the case may be. Right. Awesome. 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 Um, your doctorate mm-hmm. uh, was uh, focused on what hinders Black and Latino, Latinx uh, students at community college. Yes. How did you pinpoint and get so focused on that topic? So Pitt, um, University of Pittsburgh is where I pursued my degree or received my degree. And the program makes you focus in on something in your place of practice Mm -hmm. that you can have an impact on changing. So that that was it for me, um, working every day at my institution and doing the work I did. I saw that there was a discrepancy in graduation rates between mm-hmm. white students and black and Latino, Latinx students and retention rates. They come in one semester and they're gone. So that was a problem I thought I could impact. One, I was an athletic director at that time. So many of my students were of uh, black or Latino descent, and the work I was doing on campus with DEI, helping create strategic plans, mission, vision, stuff like that, um, I felt like I had an impact. So that's how that came about, something that I had to, it had to be for me to do all that work in a three to four year period. I, I felt like it had to be something meaningful to me. So mm-hmm. that's how I got there. Love it. And um, how do you think your impact was received? Um well received my institution at the um i'm no longer there but my institution lehigh carbon community college was very supportive of the work i was doing Mm -hmm. um, very helpful very in tune to the work i was doing and what i share with them um was put into use for 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 as far as i know so that that meant a lot um because they also recognize as a problem so i think they took pride in knowing that i was helping the institution in that way and doing that research yeah that's what wonderful. Now, Andrew Johnson Consulting. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Giving back, quite honestly. Um, yes, it's a business. Yes, it's something I'm doing to earn income. But in the institutions that I've worked, colleagues that I've met, um, my children being in school, watching all the social media and, and learning as much. I've learned that we can't assume everybody has someone doing the work for them on their campuses, in their schools, or in their organizations, because that's not true. And maybe they do have someone, but maybe that person is not in tune with the work that really needs to be done. So I created my company just like many others trying to solve a problem. So my, I want to solve, and I don't pinpoint one specific thing. I'm not an, I always tell people I'm not an expert in anything, but I think I do a pretty good job at making people feel good and feel like they belong. And that's what Andrew Johnson Consulting is. I mean, you can bring me to talk about anything if you're gonna pay me, but my idea, my premise is to teach professionals how to make sure all students in their spaces have a sense of belonging. 
And if I'm speaking to students, the same thing, because they also need to make spaces for themselves and their peers to feel like they belong. Love it. Love it. Yeah, simply just an idea to to give back and help people who don't have someone who can do that for them Mm -hmm. in their schools or institutions. Does your um, company work solely with institutions? Do you go to um, like businesses or anything like that? Yeah, mostly education, educational spaces is my passion because again, I knew what I lacked Mm -hmm. in 12. And in my four or five years in higher education, more years than that in higher education. So I really focus on there because it's my lived experiences. But I think things are similar in the business world as well. And I can definitely connect with those folks too. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's absolutely like fantastic that you have the experience um, I've, someone said that I don't, I'm not an expert, but I do have experience, but right. you've had, you know, you've had that experience yeah. and you can um, translate that across the board so that um, higher ed professionals can understand and maybe yeah. check some of their unconscious biases or anything like that. And you can yep. still have that similar conversation with students, you know, with um, what they're mm-hmm. going on. We're in a time where I mean, COVID, yeah. you know, George Floyd a yeah. few years ago, there was so yep. much happening. Yep. And we, ex- we were, I feel like sometimes we were expected just to pick right up and go on like nothing ever happened. Right. Um, and so, and so often we've experienced that being um, Black yeah. after, you know, someone loses their life in, in such a brutal way in an um, unjustifiable way. Um, so it's amazing that you're able to connect, you know, and have these very, very important and, and courageous conversations. Yeah, connect is, the, is, is a good word. Yeah. I always, whenever I talk or present, I always use real life experiences, whether it's mine or someone else's. And I think my athletic background really helped with that. Because coaching and and being an athletic director allowed me to engage with so many people. And sports is, you know, the one place where we kind of see society all kind of agrees on does it right. Mm -hmm. Now, we watch enough TV to know that sometimes they mess up. But the ideals of sports sometimes is, you know, hard work pays off, teamwork, common goal type thing. So I really use a lot of those experiences to show um, non-sport, how non-sport issues and occurrences relate to real life. So yeah, connecting is key. I always find something to connect with my audience with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Johnson, how can we find you? How can we support you online? Uh, Well, I'm not the best at the social media thing. I'm trying my best. Again, I'm old enough, but I'm not too old. So (laughs) I'm out there um, on Instagram, that Dr. Andrew Johnson. Um, My website is andrewjohnsonconsulting.com. And that'll link to all of my social media pages, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'm happy to be a resource for folks, um, whether I'm presenting or not, making money or not. I just want to help people and help the world be a better place. I'm happy to connect with people in any way. 
So please feel free to reach out via the website or any of my social media. That's wonderful. I'll make sure I put all of that in the show notes so we can, you know, connect, connect and community. Absolutely. Those are two things that really, really can change, change the course uh, or trajectory, should I say, of, of a person's life. Um, So I'll make sure we, you know, we'll get that out there. Um, I won't keep you too long, but I do have one final question for you. Sure. Um, Dr. Johnson, what does resilience mean to you? That's a really good question. Um, Let me see if I can say this the right way. You are a, and this is personal for me, you are a product of your environment but you are not, your end result isn't necessarily um, the result of your environment, meaning your environment raises you. I was raised in a particular environment. And if I would have asked somebody what the end result would have been 30 years ago, they would have told me something completely different than what I'm living now. Mm. So you can change, like you said, by connecting and building community, you can change a trajectory of life but always going back and using those things you were given through your upbringing. I love it. Love it. That's literally resilience in action. I I appreciate that question. It made me really think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I always love, love hearing um, the answer. You ask that question a hundred times, you're going to get a hundred different answers. Yeah. You know, and and I value each and every single one of them. What about you? What does resilience mean to you since that's your theme? And (laughs) I love it. Thank you for asking. Uh, Resilience. um, I view resilience as a mastering the fall, as Mm. understanding that we're going to hit roadblocks. We're going to experience obstacles. uh, We're going to have trauma. We're going to have adversity. Mm. And knowing, going in, knowing that, and developing a system, a plan that allows you and helps you get back up when those things happen. Mm. Master, master. I think of it like a, like a stump person. Mm. You know, they've mastered how to fall so they don't get hurt and it looks like it's viable. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get you bounce back up and maybe it's not as springy, you know, because every situation is different, every experience yeah. is different. Um, but you do, you, you fall and you get back up. Mm. I got one more thing to say since you said that, um, we parents, coaches, teachers, anybody responsible for children need to allow that to happen. We way too many times we try to keep them, our children, our youth from falling Mm -hmm. and they don't learn those lessons that you just talked about we can't shelter them we can't protect them at every moment they have to learn from an early age that the world isn't kind and everything is not going to go the right way absolutely um what a disservice we do when we when we don't yeah you know and i i i get it we don't want anything bad to happen right um at the very very end of the day bad bad happens that's right um so as early as possible, as early as, you know, our youth can understand and comprehend 
um, letting them fall, but like walking, you know, you try to walk as a, as an infant, as a toddler, you try to walk a billion, mm -hmm. bajillion times, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that parent is, is cheering you on. Like you can, you can do it right there. You don't go and pick them up and then you use your hands to walk for them. Right. Right. You, you let them fall, you let them get back up. And That's then right. eventually they did. they're putting one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. on their own. Before. Yep. That's wonderful. Dr. Johnson, Andrew, thank you Andrew's so much. Andrew's fine. I just love the that. I'm gonna just call you Dr. Johnson because it just I don't get used to it all the time. I'm not that used to it yet, but Andrew no, no. <laughs> is it relatively new? Uh yeah, 2022. Yeah. 20, uh year, that was yeah. last year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Celebrate that. That's yeah. definitely worth celebrating. Thank um, you. Dr. Johnson, I'm gonna say it, Dr. Johnson, thank you. You're so, you. so very much for sharing your insight, sharing your wisdom and, and your just showing up authentically. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you for reaching out and connecting and sharing your insights as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.